0: Welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, President of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long.
1: We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving just powers from the consent of the government. That is from the Declaration of Independence, the U.S. Declaration of Independence. You're listening to News and Focus, a broadcast of the Ohio Christian Alliance, and we're going to talk about our founding documents today and how we need to save that teaching in the Ohio classroom. If you're a listener of this program, you know that the Ohio Christian Alliance spent over 10 years to get the founding of American documents curriculum passed and into law that assured that each Ohio student from the 8th through the 12th grade would learn the founding documents of our country and also American government and history standards would be strengthened in the Ohio classroom. Well, I have with me on the phone one of the sponsors of that original bill back in the 130th General Assembly. He's former State Representative John Adams, and he was the House sponsor. The Senate sponsor that year was a newly appointed state senator who later became Senate president, and that's Larry Oboff. He also is in retirement as well. And both of these men are concerned about what is happening at the Ohio General Assembly this session, as both uh, a, a Republican, moderate or liberal, and a, a Dem- Democrats are clamoring to do away with this teaching. Well, you say, well, how can that be? Well, if you limit the testing, trust me, you will limit the time in the classroom that they spend on teaching American government and history. What are we talking about? We're talking about the founding of American Documents curriculum that was passed, Back in the 129th General Assembly in 2012, and since that time, there has been great progress in Ohio schools of the general knowledge of American government and history standards. In fact, these facts and the tests don't lie, and the assessments actually show the increase, and we'll get into that on this program, but what are they actually learning in the founding of American Documents curriculum and you say, well, what exactly is that? Well, let me read to you from the bill, Senate Bill 165, that eventually became law. It says on page 20, it is important that high school students learn and understand United States history and the government of both the United States and the state of Ohio. Therefore, beginning with students who enter in ninth grade for the first time on or after July first, 2012, the study of American history and American government required by Divisions 6 and C6 of this section shall include the study of all the following documents, and they're listed the, Do- the Declaration of Independence, the Northwest Ordinance, the Constitution of the United States with an emphasis on the Bill of Rights, the Ohio Constitution, the study of each of the documents prescribed in Divisions. Of this section shall include study of the documents in their historical context. The study of American history and government required by divisions of this section shall include the historical evidence of the role of documents such as the Federalist Papers, the Anti-Federalist Papers, to firmly establish the historical background leading to the establishment of the provisions of the Constitution and Bill of Rights. That is the founding of American Documents Curriculum, and it comes with a guarantee, and that guarantee is an end-of-course exam requirement. Now, basically, back when this bill was passed, it took one full credit hour out of social studies, and it gave half a credit hour dedication to American government, another half credit hour to American history, and then an end-of-course exam for both. That is what the guarantee is for every student, and you know it's working. And it's been a wild success. Why would the teachers' union be so opposed to that? Well, let's ask one of the bill's sponsors what his suspicions might be. Again, with us is former State Representative John Adams from Sydney, Ohio, and a good friend and a businessman currently. John, welcome to the program. Thank you, Chris. Well, we want to thank you also. I forgot to say that you were a former Navy SEAL and served our country in the
2: military, and thank you for that. Well, thank you. It was always a good chapter in my life, and uh, I've had a lot of good chapters. But uh, to answer your question, my suspicion, well, it it has always been uh, the educational establishment. It's always been trying to get those two credits back. Uh, They've always tried to water it down ever since the bill's been passed, some way or another, whether through the uh, uh, state school board. Or through the legislature, they've always tried to water it down. I never understood it. Uh, keep in mind that it took almost ten years from the time Diana Fessler, another good patriot of Ohio, who introduced the Founding Fathers Documents Bill when she was in the legislature. It took almost ten years since that that time she introduced it for us to finally pass it. And you would think that it could have been passed a lot sooner, being that Republicans have controlled pretty much of the state apparatus for almost 20 years. So there's a lot of things that are hard to understand, and and at least from my perspective, why. (laughs) But uh, I don't know how you can even suggest in today's current climate that you want to dilute learning the founding fathers documents in, uh, for 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 school children i just don't understand it i don't get it, uh, it yet we want to yet we want to keep and try to implement critical race theory um, it, it boggles the mind but you know what that's what we do we just keep fighting to maintain what this great country has given us and what we want and what we want it to keep giving us well, we're always
1: within one generation of losing this great re- American republic. And it starts with our children. So the children are the, and these students are the target. If they can, can gain control of the classroom and the minds of young children, well, they can set the course for the future of this country, whether for good or for evil. You know, the Bible says in Psalm 11, verse 3, and it's really been our theme of the year, If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? We have seen over this last year, John, the anarchy in the streets of America with 200 cities that have had riots, uh, protests, turned to riots. But some say they were intended to be riots and anarchy from the beginning, with Antifa and Black Lives Matter and radicals in the streets. We saw the tearing down of statues of some of our forefathers, of George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, Ulysses S. Grant. Some of them were saying, well, they were tearing down some of the uh, Southern generals' statues in the South, but that it didn't stop there. Why would Abraham Lincoln, how is that not a man who was the great abolitionist president, by the way, who visited the Ohio State House three times um, in his life, twice uh, when he was alive in 18... 18- 59 he came and spoke for two hours. There's a marker at the State House on one of the pillars where he stood for two hours and preached against the evils of slavery. He came back through on his way to Washington when he was elected president, and then his body laid in state uh, when it came back through on the uh, funeral train, going back to Illinois for his finding, final resting place. How does the Ohio State House represent uh, oppression or prejudice or slavery? It does not. And yet, it became a target of some of these same anarchists last year. In fact, John, it was a year ago this time I was testifying against this same uh, uh, bill. Then it was House Bill 239 to reduce end-of-course assessment. What, now, that sounds pretty innocuous, and folks would say, well, you know, there's really too much testing in the classroom. Well, what, do you, what did you learn in your time in the General Assembly about testing and why that's important?
2: Well, I do know one thing. Uh, it has always been said that testing drives curriculum. Well, if there's anything you want to test your students on, and those uh, bottom line is you want to test on the founding fathers' documents, because when you lose that history, uh, I don't think you have a nation anymore. You don't have a nation anymore, and that's what's being driven out slowly, incrementally. It always has been. Uh, we don't want to. They don't want to teach this. Uh, founding fathers. They don't want to teach it. Uh, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of great teachers out there, but yes. in the overall big picture, uh, with the teachers unions, the critical race theory, uh, everything that's being that is going on right now, is driven by the sentiment of driving our past out of the curriculum, and you can't do that. Simply can't. If we uh, weaken. Or water down the founding fathers' documents, uh, they win. Uh, you, can't re- you can't. You can't. We cannot relent one inch. Keep it intact, because I think you you have the results of what fruit that has been born from the founding fathers' documents. Uh, several, you know, four to five years ago, six years ago. That's right. Uh, uh, you have the you have the statistics, and it's it's been a success. So why change it?
1: Well, that's exactly right, and that's been our argument. And we're actually calling you folks to do a call to action. We want you to call your state representative, and urge them to oppose House Bill seventy three, and basically what it is is the testing reduction bill. It's currently in the primary and secondary education committee. The um, Sponsors are Representative Manning and crawley and we're going to argue next Wednesday is the next hearing of opposing. Today they had a proponent testimony. Next Wednesday will be the opponent testimony. We're asking you to call and or write your representative and urge them to keep the founding of American documents curriculum, the American government history standards as they currently are with the test- testing requirement, because that's the guarantee that we know that it's going to be taught in the classroom. And by the way. Like, John, you said, it's a lot of great teachers. They they, uh, Actually, many of them have a passion for this, and we're delighted that this was put in as part of the curriculum because, you know, you get to the school year, there are some things that are required and some things that aren't, and then there's some things that the principal of that school, and if that principal, well, if they have liberal leanings, they really pressure the teachers to spend time in the classroom on those kinds of subjects. So what are we talking about? Well. Critical race theory, which basically demeans anyone who's not a person of color, and says that they're to blame for the oppression of people of minority status—that is totally wrong. We are all equal under the law. All men are created equal by God. That's what the Declaration of Independence uh, declares, and that they have rights and privileges that were given to us by God. That the laws of nature and of nature's God. This is why the founding of American documents is so important to teach our young people that we are all equal under the law and all have the same privileges and benefits of this representative form of government. I had that exchange with some of the members of the committee last year, and you know, John, it, it, the timing was incredible because it was two days before May 28th, which ended up being a time of riots in our capital city, unfortunately, and the State House itself became a target of uh, broken windows, and, and and rioters went in that night, and it was terrible. There was a few state Iowa patrol that were protecting the building that night. You know, it's the first time in 163 years of the State House existence that it would ever become a target of that kind of vandalism or destruction. Yet, uh, that's what happened on May 28th, and then again on June 18th, and we, we spent time on this program talking about that with how state house security. And it definitely has been a time of a people in our nation. and What we need to do is get down to those foundations again, and, folks, not let them be erased. Don't let these foundations of our teaching and our founding documents be erased. What can you do, you say? Well, you can call. Call your representative and urge them to oppose House Bill 73. We're going to put all this information up on our website. Uh, and, again, uh, we're talking with state former State Representative John Adams from uh, the Sydney, Ohio area, and he was one of the original sponsors of this bill, and it's been such a blessing to our country uh, and, and to our students in Ohio. In fact, here are some of the testing scores. They finally got them in the last year or two. We were been asking them for some time. We wanted to see how we were doing, right? And, again, scores and tests count, right, John? I mean, that's how you know if you're, if you're passing or failing, right? Absolutely. So in 2016. Uh, U.S. government, eight sixty eight percent uh, uh, 2017, it went up to 73% passage of students. Again, this is from the 8th or the 12th grade. 2018, 79.5% of students were passing with, with a grade, a passing grade in U.S. government. And then again in 2019, it was uh, nearly 78%. And as the social studies representative said, this is higher than all the other states surrounding Ohio. So it's a wildly successful program. Why would you want to change it or eliminate it? Well, you can guess. And then they said, well, we'll still teach it. It's still in the general you know, statute. But without the testing, they said, well, then there was a the discussion what they were going to do with the additional time. Well, John, what's your thoughts on that, of what we're hearing lately, of what they want to do with additional time in the classroom?
2: Well, they can spend that time teaching whatever they want to teach, but it won't be the Founding Fathers' document. And I will continually say, uh, do not dilute what is currently working, and make your voice heard. And did you say it was, uh, if I recall, was, was it House Bill 71? House Bill 73. House Bill 73, uh, go on the, the House website, find out who sponsored that. And if it's your state representative who has sponsored it, give them a phone call.
1: Absolutely. You know, and that's right, folks. And we'll have that information on our website as well because you need to know who's pushing this and supporting it. And we need to have some of these people withdraw their names of support. They need to understand how you as Ohioans that are concerned about the direction of our state and our country, feel about teaching American government and history. You know, I'm reading from some of the Newsweek magazine, the the arguments we made when we passed this, Bill John, and and when you had it in committee. There was a Newsweek magazine in 2011 conducted, it was a poll poll of 1,000 adults that said, it was titled, How Dumb Are We?, and they had some civics questions in there, uh, 20 basic questions and they included the results, and uh, only 62% of those polled passed the test, included were such basic questions as, what happened at the Constitutional Convention? Another question, uh, what is the one power of federal government? Uh, Only 19% were able to answer that question. Uh, What what is the supreme law of the land? Only 30% knew that the U.S. Constitution is the supreme law of the land. Well, what are we seeing, John? We're seeing those who want to eliminate the Constitution, don't we? <laughs>
2: yes. And many, uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, but, um, nope, have you said before? Uh, it, 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 look, all we have to, we will show up and we will make our voices heard and uh, we will beat it once again.
1: Well, and that's what it takes. The price of liberty is eternal vigilance. And thank you for your work on this. I mean, you you were the John Adams. It's funny how, you know, it's great that we had you, the namesake of one of our founders, the John Adams, uh, as our House sponsor. The Senate sponsor was Larry Oboff. I called him my Tom Jefferson. But it was really the, the North and South Pole of your two different personalities at the time that got this thing through. <laughs> because I remember, you know, you telling Senator Oboff at the time, and he was just an appointee. He didn't even win election. He was just appointed to the seat. Uh, He was excited about this bill, but he was willing to cave in and weaken it, and you basically took him to task. And because of that, we actually got a stronger bill. I mean, he he took the challenge, and then he wrote up a really great bill. I mean, he took one full credit hour out of social studies. He gave half a credit hour to American government, half a credit hour to American history, with an end-of-course exam requirement. And so... When he was Senate president last year, he said, don't worry, this ain't going to pass on my watch. Well, he's retired. There's a new, there's new uh, bosses down there. There's a new uh, state uh, speaker, uh, uh, Mr. Cup, There's new Senate president, Matt Huffman. They've not said anything definitively either way. So, folks, your voices are needed more now than ever. Tell us a little bit about that, John, when people actually uh, start calling down there and making a difference.
2: It simply works. You have to call. You have to, you don't even have to, you can call, but face-to-face is better, and I intend to make phone calls, uh, especially if there's anybody on this side of the state that has co-sponsored that bill, um, but make the calls, because it does make a difference, and I will have to say that uh, I think we went through that process, um, I'm glad for what uh, the senator did, Senator Alpoff did, uh, he worked diligently to get it passed. Uh, I do remember this, though. We uh, sat in the office together. We talked about the bill. And I relinquished who would get credit for it, because I'm pretty sure it's under his name. But the reason for that was, is I would have last crack at it. I relinquished the title of it. He has the title. And the point was, uh, if any changes happened in the Senate, we got final say, whether it was up or down. Mm. So, it, it's a game, it's a, it's a good game of uh, how how laws are made, but um, sometimes it's not about who gets the credit, it's about what actually comes out.
1: Amen. You know, and, you know, John, that's why we liked you when you, you served in the House, and you did so many good things, and you took stands, and like you did when you served us in the military as a Navy SEAL, and you took those same virtues and, and points of character, and you served our state. We appreciate that. And all of our children are benefiting from that by learning about our Constitution, our Bill of Rights, the Declaration of Independence, the Ohio Constitution, the Northwest Ordinance, and the Federalist and Anti-Federalist Papers. That's actually happening because you took a stand and that Senator Oboff also took a stand. And we need folks to take a stand today. We need you to call and oppose House Bill 73 that would limit this teaching and probably be the beginning of the end of it, folks. We can't have that happen again. It happened once in the state when we, when we didn't have a guarantee of a testing requirement. We can't let that happen again on our watch. That's why we're asking you to go to the Ohio Christian Alliance website. All the information's there. We're going to ask you then to go down, find your state representative and the members of those committee, make phone calls. You can leave messages even after hours. Be polite. But be insistent that you want them to oppose House Bill 73 because you want to keep the American government and history standards the way they are currently with the testing requirements. Just say it just like that. And then also, you can also send them a quick email. That will also be a user friendly feature on the top of our website. And so, all that's at the Ohio Christian Alliance website. But it's up to you to make the calls, and that's what makes all the difference. And if you're anywhere in the state of Ohio, please make those calls to those people that are serving on the Primary and Secondary Education Committee in the Ohio House, and then also call your state representative, giving them a heads up. Hey, we oppose House Bill 73. It's going to do away with the American government and history standards in Ohio. And some of you know it as the 1776 project that President Trump last year was touting That's what he wanted to do on the national level if he got reelected. Well, we've had it here in this state for 10 years, thanks to uh, former State Representative John Adams and Senator Larry Oboff. So, folks, we can keep it going, but we're going to need you to help. John, thanks for being my guest today, and thank you for taking a stand.
2: Chris, thank you for all the good work you do. Have a good day.
1: All right, my friend. We'll see you next week. We'll be down in committee, folks. And, again, visit our website at OhioCA.org and uh, make those calls. And if you missed any of today's program, you can hear it in its entirety at OhioCA.org. Stay tuned. We're going to have a repeat conversation with uh, uh, Pastor John Coates, and he's going to talk about praying for the peace of the city of Columbus that has seen so much turmoil this last year. He and I talk about that. Stay tuned. You'll be listening to that. God bless you. Thanks for listening.
3: The following is a previously aired broadcast. And we're back and we're going to continue on this National Day of Prayer to talk about prayer. And uh, thank you for joining us for our panel last uh, segment as we prayed for our nation. And now we're going to focus on the City of Columbus, there was special prayer that was called for the City of Columbus this last Friday, and it was done by our pa- our good friend Pastor John Coates, who's a vice president of the NAACP of Greater Columbus, and also president of the International Interdenominational Minister's Alliance of Columbus, and uh, he and some of his colleagues called for special prayer on Friday night, because the City of Columbus is seen. Uh, A lot of turmoil this last year, certainly, of course, like all of Ohio with the pandemic and the shutdown and uh, life being disrupted, but also with protests that turned into riots and, of course, an increased uh, uh, crime wave that's uh, overtaken the city and actually fastly coming uh, the murder capital of Ohio. Unfortunately, there's been conflict with the uh, citizens and minority communities, with the police community as well. And there's been a lot of uh, turmoil in the city, and so Pastor Coates uh, called for a special time of prayer. We're going to talk about that. Pastor, welcome to the program.
0: Well, thank you for the invitation, and what a year this has been.
3: <laughs> it, it has. It, it, it is the time, as the Bible says, to try men's souls. <laughs> <laughs> And that that is what has happened, you know. And, you know, I want to say something. Of course, the most recent protest was the young lady that was shot by the officer because there was a disturbance in a neighborhood, and she was wielding a knife at another teenager, and uh, the officer shot her. And I I was watching that video this afternoon from several different angles and the reports on it. It's just a tragic situation all the way around. Um, Absolutely. I've actually done uh, ministry in the inner city. My wife and I, when we first launched, were in the inner city of Akron, in actually a neighborhood that had some disturbances and problems. And I remember one night, uh, there was uh, a terrible situation that unfolded right next door to us. And at that time, we were raising our our babies. Uh, They were the young children. My wife and I raised eight kids, and at that time, I think we had six and uh the one bedroom was right next to this home that just exploded with violence in the middle of the night. I can't remember if there was gunshots, but there was yelling and screaming. I mean blood curdling screams and and there was children in the house and all that. And I knew there was there was all kinds of drinking and problems. I run out, we called nine one one, the police are there and there's children involved and there's you know, there's drunken adults and Lord knows and there I think there was even a knife going on but the police stood back and did nothing. They were just, like, frozen. And I'm out there, and these babies are crying on the front porch with uh, a commotion going on, an altercation. And I, you know, you know me, uh, you know, I yelled, police, do something. I'm going to tell you, Pastor, that that was almost the end. Those officers put their, there was six of them, put their hands on their belt where their, the handle of their gun is. <laughs> yeah. So this preacher right. was almost taken out right then. And so, but I was calling for them to do something, at that moment this guy came and chased me down and uh of course I I used to be a little bit more more mobile than I am now and I did a little move on him and he totally missed me. He mm-hmm. lunged at me and then they they jumped on him and arrest him and then they did all the things that they do the arresting and stuff and you know, so I've been in those kind of tense situations. This was like one of those situations when the single officer shows up and it unfolds. It almost explodes the moment he shows up, for whatever reason. I think it's spiritual, to be honest with you. And so tragic, this this young lady lost her life. Uh, tell us about what your, your thoughts are about that.
0: Well, well, it, it was certainly tragic. And there were—one the, the officer did pull up, but there were several officers that that showed up. At that time, as as, as um, some of the videos will reflect, but the tra- tragedy. It would have been tragic if he came earlier. It would have been tragic if he came later. It would have ended up tragic if he didn't shoot. It was tragic, of course, because he did end up having to um, to shoot a a 16 year old and people. Um, 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 ask many questions as to what else could have been done. We hear the, the the cries of de-escalation, and couldn't he have tased her in the arm or in the leg or gotten between um, the two girls? You know, there were adults on the scene watching and video and, 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 and maybe even participating in the fight itself. Right. Um, the, the, but the, the greater tragedy in all of this, as the scab is ripped off of it, um, through investigation, is uh, we can't talk about um, the, the the impact of broken families and some of the challenges that are, are the many challenges that families are dealing with in across American rural and urban environments everywhere, but especially within urban environments, we see uh, 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 various degrees layers of dysfunctionalism that uh, uh, impacting the lives of the old. The um, of parents of children, and um, and certainly a broken foster system, in this case as well. So it's it's tragic across the board. And then of course the shooting took place um, right after or right before the Derek Chauvin verdict. Three guilty verdicts were issued. So you you had all of the hype surrounding this um, this this case and this. Jury coming up yep. with a decision, and, yep. and national news breaking into it. You know, it's We expect them to come out any minute now, yep. and, um, and and all of that,
3: all that tension, have, all, you know, that all that tension,
0: and and then you have a tragic situation that was waiting to explode on, on the far east end of Columbus and or the south side, the southeast side of Columbus, and it was and it was absolutely devastating. But it would have been tragic, regardless, as to what decision that officer would have made in a split in, within within seconds, literally seconds, not a minute, not thirty seconds to contemplate of, as to what to do, but within like yeah. a 10-second period of time. And I would add, Chris, that um, as 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 many of the many criticisms that I might have against the mayor of um, of Columbus, I have to applaud um, Mayor Ginther for getting that video out immediately right. because it was going to push for it to be released the next day but because he pushed, it was released that evening. And because he put, and because of the release of that video, people were able to see it for themselves, not the, rely on someone else's dictation as to what they were seeing, but the um, or what was on the video, or what happened. A mass of the community was able to see that, make their own decisions, and I believe that it diffused a situation that could have caused. Um, the capital city to become a flashpoint once again, right? And um, and it did not, and it did not happen. It, it, you know, the, the, our community is still upset, um, of course, about a 16-year-old yes. being um, shot. We're still upset about what all is being revealed surrounding her 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 case, and and is um, tragic in every area.
3: We're talking with Pastor John Coates, he is a Vice President of the NAACP of Greater Columbus, also President of the Interdenominational Ministers Alliance of Columbus. He called for special prayer last Friday night, but Pastor, let's rewind. Almost a year ago in the City of Columbus, before the George Floyd riots took place on May 28th of last year, we're coming up on the anniversary. And for a lot of us who traffic to Columbus and work at the Statehouse, like myself, over almost two decades now, representing the Church's interest, and uh, mostly spending my time downtown with the Capitol uh, or the other offices or the State School Board's offices, that kind of thing, Uh, maybe stopping up north of town in the Polaris area for uh, a restaurant or something or visiting with a friend over in German Village, but not really... Uh, getting to other parts of the city, so when the riots—or we should say the protests—turned riots on May 28th of last year, I was in Columbus two days earlier giving testimony in committee on the Founding of American Documents curriculum, which is teaching about our constitutional rights and our the the Bill of Rights. And actually, there was a, a member of the uh, committee. Uh, a minority, uh, an African-American, from uh, one of the uh, districts, and we were in an exchange about uh, teaching this in the classroom, and about the, in his view, from the inequity of uh, the history of slavery, and then, uh, you know, what what has happened in our nation. I was talking to him, I said, I'm going to tell you what I would say to my students if I was teaching American government history class, and what I would tell my minority students, if you're stopped by the police, you have the same constitutional rights that I have, and uh, you can invoke those rights, and it may not be during the time of arrest. Let's say you're unlawfully arrested or charged or something. It's through due process, and you have the same constitutional rights and teach them about those rights and privileges that we have in this representative form of government. Two days later, the city explodes. I turn on the TV. I'm like, what in the world is happening in Columbus?" and It just exploded, and you and I, you were on our program talking about it, the so-called peaceful protests that turned into riots. In fact, they didn't even loop you in to, if it was about community policing, if it was about those kinds of issues, they certainly didn't loop in some of the leadership of the city like the NAACP because they had no intent of doing that because whether it was Black Lives Matter or Antifa, these anarchists that came had another intention altogether.
0: Yes, absolutely. And um, I remember that, that Thursday evening very, very clearly, and this, the George Floyd, I believe, was killed on a Tuesday. The, the, these protests turned into riots, uh, um, happened on a Thursday evening. And not only was it protest and riots, Chris, but it was also insurrection. It was insurrection on the Ohio State House. you yes. want to talk about a state a state capitol insurrection. One happened in Columbus, Ohio, on the twenty eighth of of May in the year 2020 and uh, we watched it take place that uh, we watched these professional protesters come into central Ohio. On a, on a Thursday, no announcement, of course, that they were coming. The NAACP didn't receive an announcement. The other civil rights organizations did not receive an announcement. Um, but these professional protesters showed up in Columbus with weapons, with weapons. They said, well, what's a weapon? A weapon is a, is a multiple, uh, uh, hundreds, of not, uh, uh, hundreds of frozen water bottles, frozen water bottles. So they, they're literally able to throw ice at a um, at a police officer like they have a a German hand grenade with a handle in their hand. Yeah. And um, th- th- there were broken pallets, pallets of concrete that was broken up into uh, hand-sized pieces to be able to be thrown. And um, you you had-
3: went down there and I witnessed this. You oh, saw oh, it on I- I TV, but it. you I got down there and oh, you saw it your first hand.
0: I had to see it, and as uh, before myself, it sticks with nails that were driven through the sticks to be used as, as, as weapons. And their, their technique is to get things riled up, make sure there's plenty of live video coverage. <laughs> In this case, the so-called revolution was televised. And um, the uh, and people were watching it in the palms of their hands. So they started. They they position where where their crowds are where their units are located at, and then they move in procedure in military type procedure. And um, and they get and the young kids were down there. Uh, at, 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 I had friends that were literally walking through the crowds, telling the kids to go home, just go home, go home. This isn't a safe place to be. And um, it was it was it was di- very disappointing to to watch businesses, business friends, many small businesses that I know the owners of have their businesses ramshacked and the uh, glass windows.
3: Oh, it's tragic, off, tragic. Uh,
0: just, 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 just destruction on top of destruction on top of destruction protest is one thing we have a constitutional right to protest but when violence incurs and and destruction takes place that's not that's not that's not good and it should not have been um tolerated
3: that's right and so that was last year and a lot of us were just dumbfounded like what happened in our capital city but then we've been through a year now, and of course those protests and rioting and disruption and uh, all to, and un, a very unsettled city went on through the month of May and into June and July and through the summer. Um, now um, it, it it led you know so in, the, the city looked like a war zone. I mean, most of downtown was boarded up, and it was just shocking to see. In fact, most of the legislature wasn't meeting, so they didn't see it. And I would call some of the office holders said, well, I haven't been downtown. I said, well, you need to get down there. You need to see what our capital city looks like, and you need to you need to engage in this thing. And so, you know, Pastor, you calling for prayer for the city really resonated with me. And, you know, there is a peaceful way f- forward for the city of Columbus to address its issues, not just peace for peace sake, but uh, peace for peace. Uh, for for resolution of people that are hurting in the city. And so even though we, we disagree with the anarchists who came to exploit the situation, there's people in the city that are hurting. They're either hurting economically, they're he, they're hurting sociologically and and that the the family structure is broken down and and uh, you know people that are just the forgotten and fallen in the cracks and all of that. And I think the city fathers realize that uh, it's a little. It's it's always too big for them because government doesn't have an answer. I mean, they can be they can assist and they can help, but the church is going to have to really get on the front end of this thing, and and you know, brother, you've been doing that, and you know, calling for prayer. That's the first thing you do because yeah, you well, are yes, dealing with absolutely. a spiritual problem.
0: Absolutely. The Friday before our prayer meeting, I called an emergency meeting of the members of the. IMA Columbus the inter- interdenominational ministerial Alliance of Columbus and vicinity to discuss you know the shooting that had just re- taken place yeah. the uh, Chauvin verdict the and the other pressing issues of uh, that were going on in, in, at the in our city we had we had a discussion I brought former police officers who are now in ministry. Um, in to answer technical questions um, like how come um, police aren't trained to shoot people in the arm and the leg, and to uh, when there's seconds to decide if they should risk trying to tase someone or not, when when that tasing might fail and um, and still not prevent a um, a violent crime from taking place. So we were able to talk through these things, and I thought it was important that that clergy receive um, information, um, um, logistical information, factual information on how law enforcement is trained. Not to give an opinion on whether they think the training is right or not, but to give information that this is uh, this is what law enforcement is trained to do uh, in the very dangerous jobs that they have to uh, when they show up on the scene of an active situation. So we had that conversation, and we talked about other issues, and then we said, well, we're going to call for prayer because as clergy organizations, we're civically involved, we're politically involved, we're, we're, we're active in various areas, but at some point it should be very high priority for us to look to the heels from which cometh our help. And knowing that our only real help comes from God, so I called for an emergency prayer meeting that, was, that, that I opened up to intercessors. The, be it if they were clergy, if they were, if they were people to just pray for laity, and I opened it up, opened up the, um, the floor, and we came together on last Friday to, um, to pray for our city. We prayed for the citizens of our city. We prayed against um, the um, um, fear that people feel. We prayed against poverty. We prayed for our city leaders. You know, and when I say leaders, I mean city leaders, not yes. just elected officials. Um, we we pray for police. We pray for uh, everyone that's actually in 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 engaged in the situations um, that's saturating our city right now. We're ne- we're at nearly sixty six murders this year. Um, um, last year we were the murder capital of Ohio, and we're well on our way to becoming that. Again, there's a, there's, a, there's a crime wave, a violence um, surge, a murder surge that's taking place in our city. And it's disproportionately young people and unfortunately many African Americans. And, um, you know, so it's time for us to, uh, to do that on this past Saturday. I participated in a program where we, where we told our young people in the community, this is what you do when you get stopped by the police. You know, yeah, we could can, we can talk about your constitutional rights all day long, but we need you to know what to do if you're pulled over by police. Yes. What should your, what, what should your attitude be? Right. You know, what should your tone be? You know, and um, uh, where should your hands be at? How should your lights be on? Should they be off? Should your windows be rolled down or be rolled up? You know, what makes the situation safer for that officer and ultimately making it safer for you as well?
3: Well, you know, because
0: I wouldn't want to be a police officer no. having to approach somebody's car. No. OK, with jet black tent windows in the front and in the back.
3: <laughs> I don't even want to be driving by a pastor. I don't know I don't do if they could do a shoot a shoot em up okay? I don't know what's going on in that's, that car, right? It's a little scary. That's
0: scary. That's scary. And, um, you know, but that's what our police officers are doing day in and day out I know in their homes when they start their shift, not knowing if they're going to return or not. But, um, but that's a scary situation. So if you have uh, a, a protest or a complaint or a grievance with how a police officer handles a situation, well, there's a time and a place for that, but let's get everybody out of the situation alive. Amen. First.
3: We're talking with Pastor John Coates, the Vice President of the NAACP of Greater Columbus and also President of Interdenominational Ministers Alliance of Columbus. We're talking about praying for the City of Columbus, which hosts our state government. We need to pray for this city that's been through so much this last year. We need to pray for the communities within the city. And we need to pray for the ministries within the city to be equipped by God, to be able to reach into the city and into the troubled areas and the people who well who need help? And there's you know look, we're rescuing the perishing. That's what we're to do as the church. And so um, it's not just throwing a couple bucks at the inner you know the, the city mission folks. It's about getting out there yourself and being part of the solution and engaging with people that need our help. And so we're going to be talking about that on this program because you know all across our state right now there's hurting people. There's the forgotten. There's the people that have been shut away for over a year now, people that are still afraid to come out. You know, the Bible says, uh, look after the orphan and widow in their affliction and keep yourself unspotted from the world. This is this is uh, pure religion, and undefiled before God the Father is this. And so, you know, this is what we need to be doing, and there's a lot of orphans right now, and in the minority community, they need our help. There's a lot of people that just need to learn to read, and you know what? There's no greater way than to start reading than helping them to read the Bible. You know, there's you know, there's a lot of people say, "But if I could just read, I'd love to read the Bible. I I know that's God's word, and I would. Lo- if I could read, I'd like to read that. You know, it doesn't take a lot to actually sit down and start helping somebody to read to be a tutor. You know, it doesn't take rocket science. It just takes a little patience and a little uh, willpower. Isn't that right, Pastor?
0: Absolutely. You know, COVID tried to shut the church down along with some political leaders. And, uh, and, 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 and I just encourage everyone to go back to church, go back to church, go back to church. And, um, Nessie, number one. Secondly, join an organization so you can take part in some organized, structured activity that will help in your community or in somebody else's community. Join a PTA, join a Rotary Club, join a, um, a, 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 a crisis pregnancy center. Join, join something and and do your work in an organized fashion, and, and let's continue to pray and reach to God that he would empower us to um to battle against these forces of evil. Uh, the Bible said, uh, the, uh, Jesus said to Peter, on this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Well, guess what? The gates of hell are trying to prevail against us, and it's time for us to stand up and to fight back against this evil that is trying to take us over
3: amen thank you pastor and folks you can follow pastor on uh facebook uh, just look up pastor john coates what's another way for folks to follow you pastor
0: well, you can go to uh, Facebook, my church Facebook page, the Metropolitan Church of God in Christ, or you can also go to Facebook, Instagram for the Interdenominational Ministerial Alliance of Columbus and Vicinity. And if that's too long of a tongue twister, just put an I M A, I as in um, um, I, M as in Mary, A as in Apple, um, Columbus, and you'll be able to find us.
3: Amen. Well, Pastor, thank you for uh, sharing with us today. And, and folks, we're going to covet it. To pray with the church in columbus for the city of columbus will you do that with us Covenant to pray with us and let's pray for the peace of god over the city of columbus which hosts our state capital. god bless you all thank you pastor for being with me today thank you my friend thank you sir Thank you. And again, if you've missed any of today's program, you can hear it in its entirety at our website at ohioca.org. If you'd like to make a contribution to help us stay on the air, you could do that as well. There's a donate button right at the top of the page. We thank you for your support. God bless you. We'll see you next week.